I think this week and next week, we're going to deal with some, I started off with this particular subject this week, but uh, next week I want to deal with some other things. Uh, this one today I want to deal with is this, where I could say, why do the righteous suffer or why do the righteous have to suffer? And I find that there are certain subjects that I have actually heard people uh, talk about uh, in the workplace, certain things that people who are Christians and who, who actually are not Christians, not necessarily this subject, uh, bring up certain, certain points about the Bible and about uh, you know, the Lord and, and all that. And what I want to do next week, again, I want to look at some other things some hard questions, actually, uh, about the Bible and the Lord and things like that, that you actually might run into in talking to people. Now, many of these things are not, for me personally, are not a question. Uh, whenever I talk to someone or somebody says anything, you know, a lot of times I don't even respond or say much unless the Lord is prompting me, and then if He's prompting me, He's giving me what I need to do or what I need to say uh, related to the, the question. But anyway, have you ever wondered why the righteous have to suffer? You know, why, why does this happen? What's the point? Uh, and you, you actually see this in Christianity quite a bit with people. And, you know, some of us here have experienced suffering in different areas. Now, first of all, I want to deal with the word itself as it's in the King James. Now, the, the, most of you, I don't know, I shouldn't say most of you, but I know some of you ha haven't used the King James. Some of you, of you use other versions. But there are at least, and I didn't count them, but there are at least, it's not on, Should be on. Everything's okay here. It's a, it, the bar's going. There are at least six or seven, and I just looked at the Greek. There are at least six or seven different Greek words all translated suffer in the King James, which I thought was rather interesting. Uh, for example, when I, I wrote a couple down in my notes uh, to actually look at this and show you. For example, the King James says, Suffer the little children to come unto me. Now, we know just by reading that, that it's meaning allow the little children or, or let the little children come unto me. But nevertheless, the King James uh, translate that as uh, that word as suffer and another one is God is faithful who not, will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able or he's not going to allow you to be tempted above that which you are able and then there's another word this is this is actually all the same I believe this is the same Greek word nevertheless we have not used this power but suffer all things and that word there translated means to endure. So the word translated by the English word suffer in the King James Version is translating at least six different words. Some of them, I didn't look at every one, 
Some of them are just a few instances, in, in, a few times it's used in the New Testament. But uh, the majority of those are translated all with actually other meanings. They have other meanings, but not translated as such. They're translated by the word suffer. Now, there's another word here that's 2210 in the Strong's, and, and it, it's um, in the King James also translated suffer, and it means to damage, it means loss, or to forfeit. And I have uh, three examples of that word. 1 Corinthians 3.15, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Now what they did was they, they combined the two words, suffer and loss. The actual meaning of the Greek word is loss, but it's actually fine, that translation, to suffer loss. So, but it's different, a different Greek word than what we're going to look at. And then there's another one that we're familiar with. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the, the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. That means to, to lose or to forfeit. You forfeit something for uh, the Lord or for his name or for his will or whatever. And then in Acts, it says, and they departed from the presence of the council. Now, I believe, I believe the, uh, the context is that uh, the, the apostles were taken by the leaders and were told not to uh, spread the gospel, not to teach or preach in the name of Jesus. And I think it's where they said, well, well should we obey you or obey man or obey, obey God? And so it says... And they departed, they beat them, and they departed from the council, rejoicing that they were uh, counted worthy to suffer shame for his name, or suffer loss. They suffered the loss of maybe what people would think of them, or their reputation, or whatever it may be. They were forfeiting something here in the natural uh, for something spiritual, the will of God, you know, teaching, preaching the, the, the word of God, and so forth. But the main word that's used probably more, the Greek word, that's used more than any other term as far as the word suffer is the one that we normally relate to uh, as suffer. And here's the meaning. The, wor the word is pasco, and it's 3958 in the Strong's. It means to suffer pain, and that can be physical, uh, mental, emotional. It means to feel or undergo or experience some type of pain or suffering emotionally, physically, however. Okay? The English meaning is very, very similar. To undergo, to uh, be subject to, to endure pain, distress, injury, loss, or anything unpleasant. Now, I would, I would say if we applied that to... The Bible, it would be as we walk in the will of God. We should suffer things in the will of God. And, of course, we all have to some degree. Now, let's look at John 16. I'll read a verse from Matthew. Matthew 16, 21 says this. Now, remember that you and I are Christians, and we can't expect to be exempt from certain things as we walk in this life. Some of the same things that befall other people that aren't Christians, 
we will experience some of the same things. But the advantage that we have is that we have the Lord, and if we're walking with Him, anything we endure, we suffer, and so forth, whether it's injury, loss, pain, um, emotional trauma, whatever it may be, if we're walking with God in that, then something of eternal value will be there, developed within us. Now, how many here have ever suffered emotionally or some emotional pain simply by doing the will of God? Now, that can be very intense. Depending upon what the Lord is asking from you or me, you know, it can be an easy thing at times, but certain things will, will just go to the very core of our nature. And we will have great difficulty doing certain things in the will of God. Now, I'm not talking about, well, I, I don't want to teach. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when the Lord says, you need to do this particular thing, and it is something that you detest, it's something that you don't want to do, and you, you may say, well, Lord, if I do that, I will be rejected by people. And that may be so, so difficult for you that you have to struggle with that and struggle with it. And you will endure some emotional suffering. So as you walk with the Lord, you know, we can experience all kinds of things. And I believe that how we respond in a situation today will be foundational to what we experience tomorrow. So that if you pass a test, or if you are suffering something today, and you walk with God in that, and you don't you know, go running away, and you walk with Him in that, and you say, Lord, I'm going to walk with you no matter what even if I have to suffer a particular thing. What happens is the Lord builds in you, and what he does in you now brings about a foundation for the next thing he can bring into your life. See, because you will have grown, and now because you have grown, uh, the next thing that he wants to bring will be based upon where you are in your growth at that time. So that, uh, I'll say myself, let's say I decide that I don't want to suffer anything in the will of God. I want to do my own will. And I might go to church, I might read my Bible, I might teach, I might do different things. But as far as certain things, I, I kind of want to skirt them. I want to, you know, avoid them. Then what happens is I'll be a Christian... I'll go to heaven, but the things that the Lord wanted to accomplish in my life through the means of testing, through the means of endurance, through the means of suffering, all those things, that will not take place, and hence my growth as a Christian is hindered. And as far as I can see with Christians, and I'm not thinking of you here, I'm thinking of other people that I have met and been around in, in the workplace. 
it seems to me that there are quite a few Christians who are retarded in their spiritual development. And I always wondered, why is that? Is it because of a lack of teaching that they're, they're not getting? Uh, and I, I'm not too sure, that, I mean, that, that plays a part. But see, if the heart is open to the Lord, He will bring a person into a circumstance, a situation, and in there, He'll be able, hopefully, to bring certain things there to bear upon them, to give them the opportunity for growth and maturity and, and all that. So that, you know, as it says, pertaining to the unsaved, they, they will be without excuse. Well, that, I believe, also applies to the Christian. We will be without excuse. All these Christians, even though they may have not heard certain teaching, there is the, the work of the Spirit uh, that he does in bringing them in and out of situations in their life that brings the opportunity to endure suffering or to uh, pass a test just like someone who may have a, a different teaching as far as that goes. So um, Jesus says this, from that time forth, uh, or Matthew says this pertaining to Jesus. Jesus began to show his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. So Jesus suffered many things, and we know that. Now, because we are Christians does not mean, does not guarantee that we will not experience trouble, pain, suffering, tests, temptation, and all that. Quite the contrary, because we are Christians and we are walking in this life, we will experience many of these things. In John 16, Jesus taught that his followers should expect these things. So don't be surprised if you know you are walking with God and you are moving with Him and you are living righteously, don't be surprised if you encounter suffering. And we're going to look if we, I guess we can go through it real quick even if we don't look at the scriptures. I, I want to, to show you there are various means or um, various reasons why Christians suffer. But Jesus said to expect it, John 16, 1, These things I have spoken to you that you should not uh, be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Now that's pretty strong for them back then. We don't, we don't uh, come under the impact of that. But their lives were... were uh, revolved around the synagogue and the Mosaic laws. They were Jews and, you know, all that whole thing. And Jesus said, now, if you're going to follow me, you're going to suffer the loss of some things, and they're going to put you out of the synagogues. That which you have held all these years in this high place and this high priority, they're going to put you out of there. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. 
And these things will they do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you them. So he's preparing his disciples here for, you could say, the worst. He's preparing them that they may experience some things that are going to be unpleasant. And if they're going to walk with him, they're going to suffer certain things. Now, the Bible is full of examples of righteous people who suffered uh, walking with God or suffered in the will of God. The pers first person that comes to my mind is Joseph. I mean, what did Joseph do wrong? He did nothing wrong. He, he walked with God. He was, he was righteous in his dealings with his brothers. And yet, it appears that the Lord singled him out because he was righteous to suffer certain things. Now, the end, you have to not just focus on the suffering of the certain things, but the end result was the Lord used him to sustain the known world at the time because he told Pharaoh what to do. You bring in six years, you bring in double the crops, bring them all in and store them because the seventh year is going to be, famine's going to strike. So he had to suffer certain things in order to become this man of God that we admire. Job, what did Job do wrong? Right, right? There's none like Job in the earth, the Bible says. There was no one like Job, as righteous as Job. So it appeared that he was doing everything right. But yet, Job suffers the loss in the death of his family. He suffers the loss of everything that he had, his cattle and his field, all of that. And if that's not bad enough, he suffers his health to be lost for a time before God healed him. And then you have others in the Bible, for example, David. <laughs> David, you know, had Saul always at his back, trying to, to, to find him and, and kill him, chasing him all over the land. And it was so intense that David had to hide in the caves of Abdullam and live there. I don't know how long, but he lived there for a period of time. Always remember, now he, he came from a place where, you know, he had a, a nice, you know, place to live and a place to, to lay down and sleep to someone who's living in a cave. Now, of course, that was really not what the Lord wanted for David. Uh, you know, that was, Saul was chasing him, but it was still was, you know, God was going to show him some contrast. God was going to do things in this. And, and you can say that God had his hand in this. Of course he did. But uh, God wasn't really wanting originally uh, for Saul to fall. And so you have all these examples. Jeremiah, I was thinking about Jeremiah, how Jeremiah was the mouthpiece of God, teaching and preaching, and they came and took him they put him in jail, 
and they lowered him uh, with a rope into the dungeon. And there he was, suffering in the will of God. And what did he do wrong? What did Paul do wrong? Paul preached the gospel. You, know, you preach, you teach. It can be a dangerous thing at times. You know what I mean, but you know, it's just the way it is. Jesus said that's the way it would be. So why do we know that Christians suffer? We know that's in the Bible. But my question is, why do Christians suffer? Why? We know that they do, but why? Now, I have six things, and of course this is not an all-inclusive list, but it's what you know, I was, was seeing, and, and we'll look at them. Um, Genesis 3. One of the reasons why man, Christians, whomever, suffer is because of the consequence of the fall of Adam and Eve and sin entering into the world. In Genesis 3, verse 16. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall, shall be for, uh, for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil uh, you shall eat of it all the days of your life both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall uh, eat bread, till you return to the ground from, out, from which you were taken, and so on. So you can see here that immediately after Adam and Eve uh, fell and they sinned, that sin entered into the world, and when that occurred... Immediately, you see here that Adam has to deal with things that he did not have to deal with before. So, and of course, that was the beginning, and then you have the multiplica multiplication of sin throughout the ages, and, and so on. And so, one of the reasons why man suffers, or the righteous suffer, is because of the fall of Adam and Eve. Now, I want to read a, a verse from... From Romans. Turn to Romans 8. Romans 5.12 says, Through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. And then in Romans 8.20 For the creation was subject to vanity or futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. That's going to be a glorious day. Into the glorious liberty of the children of God. 
For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. See, there, the whole creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Verse 23, not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So in this verse here, there is a groaning that is in mankind, and that is to be out from this setting, basically. Everybody here has experienced some type of suffering as a Christian, I believe. And sometimes when we're in something that's pressing, we come out with this, you know, Lord, I'd like to just get out of here and leave. And that is true. I mean, that's what we do. But I believe that the Lord has a purpose in this, and I don't particularly care to walk in this world anymore. I had said something to a friend of mine, and I said, Christians that don't want to leave this world and stay here haven't suffered and experienced certain things. I basically have had enough, but I do not want to leave this life yet for the purpose of fulfilling whatever it is the Lord wants fulfilled in my life and through my life and to touch whomever he wants me to touch. When that's done, uh, I'm done. I'm ready to go. Now, I'm ready to go if he takes me now, but I'm just saying I need to be here until it's finished. Until it's finished. So we have this groaning to, you know, you know how it is sometimes, you just want to, uh, you groan at the things you have to experience here in this life. And there's this desire to, to leave. So, but still, see, there's a suffering that we have to endure here at this time. So we suffer, and mankind suffers because of the sin of Adam. Um, secondly, some Christians suffer because of the decisions uh, that they make or their actions. Now, that's not necessarily a suffering that is going to bring value as far as uh, an individual's life. If I decide to make certain decisions, and I am not uh, waiting on the Lord, and he's not in that decision, and I go ahead and I make that, I may find that there's consequences to that decision that cause me to suffer. And you can see that sometimes in marriages. And there's certain consequences, certain things happen, and you get in this place and you're suffering, but you're not suffering in the will of God. You're suffering because of the decisions you make, or a person suffers because of certain actions, what they've done. And so it says here in uh, Galatians, I'll just read it. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. And, and uh, that 
I believe is universal. That's just not Christian for Christians. Of course, it is for us, but you can see the same principle at work in the world where people will sow certain things and they'll reap certain things. I mean, they'll wonder. They, they might not even understand what they're sowing, but they're seeing what they're reaping. And they, sometimes they can't put the two together. But nonetheless, you know, decisions and actions have consequences, and uh, many times it brings suffering, and, and we don't want to be involved with that type of suffering as a Christian. Next, we suffer because we live in a sinful and corrupt world. You know you live in a corrupt world. It seems as though it's getting more and more and more corrupt in every area. You know, these people that think America is the gospel, I mean, they need to look. There's so much going on. There's, there's so much corruption in our government uh, throughout the whole government, actually. And we look at other countries and we say, oh, yeah, look, at they did this and they did that and they're corrupt. But this, the corruption is everywhere. And the reason why it's everywhere is because man is everywhere. And so um, we can look at um, Ezekiel. I want to show you a verse. You know this. You and I can suffer or we can experience suffering because of the sins of others. Did you know that? What about someone who is deserted, a, 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 um, a child who's deserted by their parents, left on their own? What did the child do? The child did absolutely nothing. Some of the children that we have in the camp, what did they do? They, they did nothing. But yet, they are experiencing suffering because of the sins of other people. So I personally would rather not, and I ask the Lord to, to keep me steady, I would not want others to suffer because of sin in my life. So if you walk with God, that's not going to happen. But in Ezekiel 9, I wanted to show you one example of this, and, and, and there are others. Ezekiel 9, 4, And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within. So at this time they were in uh, the country, Judah was in uh, idolatry and so forth. It was rampant and there was evil everywhere. And those few men and women who were, were righteous and walking with God had to endure that. They had to, to suffer because of the sins of these other people, those that were uh, worshiping idols and so forth. They had to suffer because of that. And, and that occurs again also today where you have, for example, uh, an individual who is in power in a company and, and they built the, the, the company of, of all kinds of money and, and they, they rob the company so much so that the company goes under, and, and that's happened. And then you have all the people that work for that company, Christian or not, end up suffering. They lose their, their livelihood and what have you. They suffer financially because of the sin of an individual. 
So that can be a means by which people suffer. Um, in this verse here, let me go to Peter. Second Peter 2.8 And deliver righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. Now we know that Lot chose, but still he was, the Bible says he was, he was righteous and he was living, you know, in, in um, Sodom. For, for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. So uh, Lot experienced suffering because of the sins of other people. Okay? Christians can suffer at the hand of the devil. Now, I realize that, that God uses the enemy, but that's, that's something different. I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at just the thought that children, children of God, Christians, can suffer at the hand uh, of the devil. In the Bible, in Corinthians, says and calls him the God of this world. It says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who believe not. So, so there you go. You deal with an individual, and you're trying to show them the gospel. You're trying to unveil to them the way of salvation. And because they're blinded by the God of this world, they cannot see it, possibly do not want to see it, and even make fun of you, now you're going to have to suffer ridicule because of their sin and their blindness, their unbelief. And I remember one time, a few years back, I, I said something to an individual, and of course, you know, when you say things, you just you put it out there and whatever it is, it is. And uh, a little bit later, the individual started poking fun of me on the workforce. Now, there weren't many people around, but the point is he was, you know, poking fun of the gospel and me and so on and so forth, and it, it didn't bother me. I mean, I felt bad for him where he was. But the point is you might have to suffer that. You might have to suffer that. So... You know, Christians can suffer because of the enemy, the devil, who blinds the eyes of man, men, people around, family, whomever. And then we, we know in, um, what is it, Corinthians? I don't know where it is, where uh, Paul talks about the thorn in the flesh was given to him who was a messenger of Satan to buffet me, he says. So he, he was enduring some type of suffering. I don't know what it was, a physical thing. I don't know. Through the hand of Satan, he was suffering. And receiving that, and, and just you know, continuing on. We know that, for we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one, it says in 1 John. The whole world. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So, persecution is, is a means by which Christians will suffer. And persecution, many times, is 
directed by Satan at a Christian. You know, you see uh, in, in Rome how they, they threw Christians into the lion's den. How uh, they say that Nero tied them on poles and, and lit them on fire to light up his, you know, patio or whatever at night. I mean, it's pretty strong stuff. You know, so suffering can take all kinds of forms. Now, here's another, another means by which Christians can suffer. And, and we might not even think of this. Is that if you are a Christian that has been renewed in your mind. In other words, you have been taught the Word of God. And the Lord has taught you. And, and you are starting to, to see things more and more and more like the Lord, whenever you deal with others, for example, other Christians, whose minds may not be renewed for whatever reason, they might you know, disagree with certain things in the Bible, they're not interested in, in them or whatever. You may suffer... Uh, because from them because of your view of the scriptures or, or your view of the Lord because you're walking with him and your mind is being renewed they will look at that and they will say look at him he thinks he's such and such and such and such or you know look at that individual he thinks he knows everything or you, you know what they believe about this and so and then you suffer that it's just another means by which you know, we can suffer. And then suffering can cause us to grow. And that's found in the first um, chapter of James. So the point is this, that the righteous will have to suffer some things. And as Christians, we should not have this thinking. Like some people think, believe this or not, I mean, I don't know how you can think like this, but I, I've actually heard people teach this, that if you're suffering certain things, you're out of the will of God. You know, something's wrong with your life. Now, as I said before, if you're making self-choices and self-decisions, that, you know, that's true. But if you're in the will of God and you're walking with him, you can expect to deal with certain things as a Christian. And, you know, Job, you know, well, Job's suffering that, you see, because, you know, he's not where he should be in the Lord. Now, who said that? Some of Job's friends. They, they accused Job. And, and there will be people who will say that. They'll say, well, you're suffering this, because you're out of the will of God. And then they'll say that or think it. And just like Job, you have to suffer what people think. Deal with it. Now, I like, I like the Lord because, see, it's not that the, the suffering is to be the focal point. See, it's not to be the focal point. Now, I'm just talking about why Christians or why the righteous have to suffer. But remember, you have to see beyond 
any suffering, any persecution, any of that. You have to see beyond that to what is the Lord doing through that or what can the Lord do through that in your life and in my life. Why would the Lord put a Christian through certain things? Well, there's reasons for it. Now, we may not like them. We may not understand them. And at times, we may not even agree with it. But the best thing for us to do as Christians is to walk with him and, and deal with one thing at a time. That's what I do. I deal with one thing at a time. When two or three things come, <laughs> now, I guess women can multitask in that. I don't know. But when two or three things come, I deal with what's right before me, what the Lord is, is, um, is showing me in that, and then I'll go to something else. But I have found, for me personally, that when something comes, that the Lord is very, very gracious at these times, and he will strengthen you, and he will help you, and, and he will work in you so that you can make it through whatever it may be that is before you. Now, let me, in closing, let me just ask one question. Has anybody here ever suffered persecution from other people? Now, I'm not talking about trying to kill you, but I'm just talking about because you're a Christian, you know, they are, you know, making fun of you and, and doing, you know, whatever. Anybody? In the workplace? See, how we react in these situations is, is actually critical for us in our development. But remember, I'll leave you with this. Remember that the Lord is interested in you, and he knows what you have to deal with. And you don't have to be concerned if you have to suffer certain things at a certain time of your life. Now, now I should probably have said this. Not everything that, you know, I stub my toe, I'm suffering for the Lord. No, that, I'm sorry. That doesn't apply. There are certain things that don't apply, you understand. So don't go way overboard with this. But I'm talking about in the will of God, walking with him, doing the best you can as a Christian, and when something comes and it's before you, that you have to suffer. It's going to be something that will help you to develop and walk on with him. And, and coming out of it will be something that will be of value to you later. That you, certain things that you can draw upon. Okay, thank you.